0: Complicated opening sequence for the 18th Canto of Inferno, the opening of the evil pouches, the eighth circle of hell. Not so complicated passage to follow. It's got a knot in it. Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast in which we slow walk passage by passage through Dante's masterwork comedy. We are in the eighth circle of hell. We are in, well, kind of a prologue-ish part, although we're about to see the first of the evil pouches that make up this nasty bit of fraud. So let's get to it. Lines 22 through 39 of Canto 18 of Dante's Inferno. On my right hand, I see new sorrows, new torments, and new scourgers, all jamming the first pouch full. At the bottom are naked sinners. From the middle to one side of the ditch, they come toward us, but from the other side, they walk along with us, although with longer strides. It's the same with the Romans who, because of the vast hordes during the Jubilee year, had to find a way to let all those people pass over the bridge. On one side, they all faced Castle Sant'Angelo as they went on toward St. Peter's, while on the other side, they headed toward the hill. Now here, now there, all along the dark, rocky terrain, I see horned demons with big horse whips who lash the people mercilessly from behind. Good grief how those demons made them pick up the pace at the first crack of the whip. Rest assured, nobody waited for a second strike, much less a third. Okay, that's where we're going to stop in this passage. We're going to just get to just our demons. I want to stop there for a moment about demons. And I want to talk about the Jubilee year. We're going to do this passage out of order. But even so, let's start right at the top. On my right hand, I see new sorrows, new torments, and new scourgers. And this word is a little strange in the Florentine, only because... You don't know who's the scourge <laughs> who's doing the scourging. Who is that? That's doing the whipping and that now you've heard the passage and now, you know, it's the horned demons who've got these horse whips and they're, they're lashing the naked sinners in the pit. Okay. Okay. Fair enough, but when you first read it in the passage, you think to yourself, scourgers who? What? What who's who's scourging what? It's a strange word that, of course, in Dantean technique sets up what's to follow. It drops a seed. This is such the Dantean technique. Remember last time with Arachne dropping that seed of spiderweb and then the discussion of how this eighth circle looks like a spider web? Drop a seed and then let the seed grow and let it blossom on down the road a little bit here with this word scourgers we see that technique in full swing so there's these new sorrows new torments new scourgers all jamming the first pouch full crowded down here in this first pouch the first of the malabolja, the evil pouches jammed full and we're gonna see this over and over again from here down it's hard not when you see this notion of crowdedness in the Malabolgia, it's hard not to think of the increasing urbanization of Dante's own day. The increasing population centers of Florence, Siena, Rome. Rome is a little bit more difficult. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But these increasing population centers that are getting more and more crowded. The space gets smaller, of course, we're running down toward the center of the pit of hell. So, of course, the circle are getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter as we go down. And yet at the same time, Dante has experienced an increasing urbanization, an increasing problems of crowds. And it's even in this passage when the hordes of Rome try to pass over the bridge in Rome during the Jubilee year. But we'll get to that at the end of this podcast episode. So at the bottom, of this pit, the passage goes on. Are naked sinners. Again, it seems to be important to emphasize that they're not wearing clothes because they're being whipped. And it it adds to their punishment. From the middle to one side of the ditch, they came toward us, but from the other side, they walked along with us, although with longer strides. So let me just explain this and then let me tell you there's a problem here in the text. First the ex- explanation. So inside this pouch are people walking. One way on one side and the opposite way on the other side. So you've got this ditch, this pouch, and on one side, they're walking parallel to the way Dante and Virgil are walking. They're walking with them. And on the other side, they're walking toward them they're working against them the passage is a little muddled the grammar in the florentine is a little tight and a little tough and there are further problems that go along here and they are most effectively explained by james nornberg's essay on the 18th canto of Inferno. And let me tell you Nornberg's point. There may be a problem here inside of this, and that is that problem of longer strides. If we assume that hell is pitched down, and if we assume these pouches are rather large, and if we assume these people are being whipped to keep up a kind of pace, then the people who have to walk faster... Are the people who are walking on the outside of the ditch? So the people who would be walking faster or along with us are the one <laughs> are the ones closest to Dante. That is, they have to take more steps because they're on the outer ring of the pouch to keep up the pace. This is Nornberg's point, and that his point is that we've always gotten this wrong. And Every commentator has missed this. Why is this important? Why does all this matter? Well, because of the ranking of sin. Because if you assume that sins get worse as you go down the rings of hell, and that is a logical assumption, then it matters which order you put these sins in. It matters as to what is the first sin of fraud and the second sin of fraud. Furthermore, it helps you understand the directionality of sin, especially in the eighth circle where the sins of fraud tend to run in various ways against each other. We're going to have to talk about this when we get on down into the other pouches. But there's ways in which this entire circle is very structured and the sins alternate from one point of view to another back to the first point of view, back to the second point of view, you'll see this and this will become clearer later on. So if if Nornberg's point is correct, then there's a swap going on here. Let me just move on to the back part of the passage to explain to you why I kind of buy it. And it's an interesting point. Okay, I'm gonna skip over that whole bit about the Jubilee year in Rome and come out to the back part of the passage. And by the way, if you ever want to see these passages, my translation, they're on my website, MarkScarborough.com, under a header about the podcast Walking with Dante. Anyway, let's let's go back to the back six lines of this passage. Now here, now they're all along the dark, rocky terrain. I see horned demons. There they are. Our first appearance of standard demons, the kind we all think about in, if were raised in a Western tradition of what a demon looks like. Here they are with their horns walking around in the bottom of the pit with their big horse whips and lashing the people mercilessly from behind. Public whipping. Through the streets of a town was a common method of punishment in the Middle Ages. So they're, they're enacting this kind of p- common public way in which this mm, this punishment works out. Good grief! How those demons! The passage goes on, made them pick up the pace at the first crack of the whip. Rest assured, nobody waited for a second strike, much less a third. I, I translated the phrase "pick up the f- pace." It's really the phrase in the Florentine is "leva le." meaning uh, pick up their heels, lift their heels. My good grief, how those demons made them lift their heels at the first crack of the whip. Most commentators, hmm, pre-modern world, pick out this phrase, le this uh, pick up the heels, as particularly vulgar. There's nothing really dirty about it in a puritanical sense. It's just kind of street language. We might say, and perhaps this is a better way to translate it, could grief, how those demons um, made them lift their tired dogs at the first crack of the whip. You know, sometimes people call their feet dogs. Oh, my dogs are killing me a kind of colloquialism, a kind of low language. It's setting us up for what is going to become even coarser language in this canto and in all the cantos of the eighth circle. I'm going to have to warn you that some of the episodes coming up are not fit for children because the language gets extremely coarse as the eighth circle goes forward, and I'm going to let it get coarse in my translation. But Let's back up and look at what's happening here. These demons are whipping them, and they're moving around this circle. And all they do is seem to walk and walk and wheel around. You know what this is a perversion of? This is a perversion of heaven. Because when we get up to the heavens, we will discover that there are the spheres of the heavens. And how do the spheres run? They turn. These spheres orbit and turn around the earth how do they turn angels turn them angels actually cause the spheres to rotate in various directions the spheres above and create the music of the spheres and you'll discover that the planets are each on a sphere and they're rotating around the earth. Mercury, Venus, Mars, the moon. They see the moon as a planet. The sun, they see the sun as a planet. Jupiter, Saturn, they're on these rings. And then above that is the ring of the fixed stars. And they're all orbiting and how how do they move angels move them and here at the opening of the eighth circle we get a perversion of the way the heavens run that is demons cracking sinners running in opposite directions in this pit and if nornberg is correct and If, in fact, the people with the longer strides who we're actually going to see second are the ones walking along with us and they're closer to Dante as opposed to the ones coming toward us who are farther from our pilgrim in the the pit, then, this is why I like it, then not only is it a perversion of how the spheres of paradise run, but it's a perversion of even the order of those spheres. That is, the order is backwards here in fraud. That seems to me thematically important. I know I've made a lot out of this point. It's a complex point. You should know that most critics don't hold to it, but they do, many, hold to this idea that there is some kind of strange inversion of the spheres of paradise going on here in the first pouch of fraud as the demons whip the sinners forward in the same way that the angels spin the spheres of heaven forward. Okay. Now the middle passage, the big, in explanation bit about the Romans. So we see, I'm just going to back up to the front. We see new sorrows, new torments, new scourgers jamming the pouch full. They're all naked. One side is coming one way. One side is going the other way, as we have discussed endlessly. And then come these middle six lines. It's the same with the Romans who, because of the vast wards during the Jubilee year, had to find a way to let all those people pass over the bridge. What in the world is being spoken of here? In the year 1300, Pope Boniface VIII, Dante's great enemy declared a jubilee year, a year in which—it was the first such year ever declared—a year in which if you made certain pilgrimages, you were basically let out of purgatory. You basically got a get-out-of-jail-free card for forever. And what the pilgrimages were, a pilgrimage to St. Peter's in what is now the Vatican— and to St. Paul's outside the walls. It is said that in the year 1300, 200,000 pilgrims descended on Rome for this plenary indulgence that can be given if you visit St. Peter's, which is now in the Vatican, and St. Paul's outside the walls, which is about Three miles or a little less than five kilometers distant from St. Peter's. So if you visit the two different churches or basilicas, you will actually get this kind of formal and overwhelming indulgence. We should note for just a second that this is not the St. Peter's you know now. This is the medieval St. Peter's in what is now the Vatican. It is a smaller structure. It's built on the Circus of Nero, or maybe kind of to the side of the Circus of Nero. It is not this grand edifice that exists now with its fabulous dome. It's a different, much darker, much smaller, and much more narrow church. Nonetheless, it is St. Peter's Basilica, now called Old St. Peter's Basilica because it was taken apart and the new Basilica, which now if you visit Rome, you can see was built essentially over it. Not exactly, but essentially over it. Boniface calls this big jubilee year. The crowds descend on Rome. It is thought, if you want to be slightly cynical, that Boniface called the jubilee year partly because Rome was in financial deficit. Um, Roman population was actually falling. Uh, Rome itself was in what we would now call an economic depression. Boniface calls the jubilee year. 200,000 people show up and Rome's economy soars. So it could be that Boniface is trying to save Rome from its own economic collapse if so many people show up that that they have to t- figure out how to get them across this bridge. This is the Ponte dei Angeli. You may know this bridge as the bridge that connects across the Tiber toward what is now called the Castle Sant'Angelo. It is Hadrian's tomb that, if you remember, Pope Benedict, well, you don't have to remember, Pope Benedict saw the Archangel Michael above Hadrian's tomb. Michael was sheathing his bloody sword to show that he's putting the pagans to death so this whole thing happens that you know the place gets renamed from hadrian's tube to the castle of the of the saint angel of 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 michael the head angel the archangel and which is now called there is a bridge there it was actually first built in 132 common era. It was the alien bridge under Roman rule. It's now the Ponte de Angeli, the Bridge of Angels, because of the many angelic statues that now line it. So this bridge got so crowded that the Romans had to work out a way to get people back and forth, because this was the only bridge that really connected where St. Peter's is now and what is now the Vatican with the rest of Rome. The New the Bridge, the famed bridge from the Roman Empire, had collapsed, and this was really the only way across. So the hordes are on this bridge crossing, and they've got it worked out so that, you know, one side you go facing Hadrian's tomb or Castle Sant'Angelo along your way to St. Peter's. And on the other side, you're heading toward the hill. That's Monte Giordano, the little hill that's over kind of across the river on the other side. So you've got people going both directions on this bridge at once. And this explains how the people move inside the first evil pouch. But there's more to it than that. We're in the first pouch of fraud. And inside the first patch of fraud, we're told that the people moving along look like the people crossing the bridge in Boniface's Jubilee year. Don't you hear it? Don't you hear the immediate criticism going on here? We're amongst the first of the fraudsters. Later you'll learn who these are, and it's even clearer why this bit from Boniface would be inserted here. But we're amongst the first of the fraudsters, and we're being told that it's like the Roman Jubilee year under Boniface VIII. Dante the Poet is playing with fire by comparing the first evil pouch with a jubilee year called by the pope and saying that it all may be related up by fraud dante is playing with fire and I, I should let you know that it's not immediately apparent where you come out of this uh historical analogy that goes on in the poem even in the florentine it's not exactly clear look if I, let me let me just read it to you and you'll see it it's the same with the Romans who, because of the vast hordes during the Jubilee year, had to find a way to let all those people pass over the bridge. On one side, they all faced Castle Sant'Angelo as they went on toward St. Peter's, while on the other side, they headed toward the hill. Now, here, now, they are all along the dark, rocky terrain, I see horned demons. You know you're back in the pit, right? You're back down in the pit, but you notice that that historical a- analogy kind of just bleeds back into the narrative of the pouch. And there's a moment in which you could be forgiven for thinking that on the bridge... (laughs) There are demons whipping people in both directions. It does say all along or at the bottom of that rocky terrain, but after all, this is a stone bridge that they're crossing. So you could be forgiven if momentarily in your reading of the Florentine, you think, wait a minute, are the demons on that bridge beating people, making them go along? Oh, no, wait, that's back down in the pit that's why the poet's playing fast and loose. By calling out the Jubilee year 1300, and this is yet another way we know the poem is dated to the year 1300 because of this reference to the Jubilee year of 1300. Although it is not being written in the year 1300, this is another of the many clues that the poem is set in the year 1300. And You would be remiss if you didn't notice that our poet is getting bolder and bolder with his criticism of the church. He's not Martin Luther. He's not John Calvin. But he is getting bolder and bolder because he's not a Protestant. He's instead the best Roman Catholic who ever lived but to hear more from him and more of his criticism of the church and of people who commit broad against each other and to see this first group whether they're near us or far from us whichever of the two are circling to see them up next you have to subscribe to the podcast please like it give it a rating give it a comment that would be fabulous i appreciate all of you who talk about the passion of my reading and interpretation I am super passionate. In my memoir, Bookmarked, there's a long story toward, oh, about the two-thirds part, about an artist who put my life back together after it collapsed in a heap. And she always said to me, there is no point in doing anything without passion. If you don't have passion for it, don't do it. You're wasting your time. Come back. I'm Mark Scarborough. See you then.